You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Ooh, welcome back to the Oz Network as we move on to another episode of our Nip Tuck recap series. We are on to the halfway point of season five, episode eleven. This one is called Kyle Ang. Kyle Ang. Kyle A I N G E. Pronounce that however you want to do that. Uh, first aired on the 29th of January 2008. It was written by Brad Falchuk and Hank Chilton, directed by Dirk Wallace Craft. And an interesting one after a bit of a cliffhanger last week. My name is Ben, and in fact, I'm hard right now. <laughs> and uh, I'm Nick, and I'll be working off to these memories for the rest of my life. You saw my closing, but whatever. We got some good ones off at the beginning there. Um, <laughs> this is uh... you can't have all the good Gina funeral ones. You, you know, you can't have them all to yourself. Ah, well, maybe I can. There's a few more to go. Um, this is a <laughs> an interesting episode. You sort of summed it up best last week when you said there's a lot of biting in this episode. There's cannibalism. There's funerals, and there's some scenes that make you want to get stuffed. Uh, <laughs> it's uh. It's, yeah. it's, there's just one scene. I think we're really going to be focusing on one scene in this episode because I really feel that scene's going to make our top five or at least really be in that conversation because holy crap, it's a creepy as hell scene. But, um, yeah, this is, I think this episode is just purely known for one scene in general. Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's certainly a memorable one. Um, but I, you know, I, I think you're kind of underselling that. I think there's a lot of other fun stuff here as well. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to kind of talking through some of that stuff. It obviously starts off with Christian in the elevator, kind of having some flashbacks to Gina, your favourite line of this is love. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, kind of Christian sort of, you know, just coping with it differently. And I guess we ultimately are going to find out that Christian hasn't told the truth with this matter, that he's basically saying that Gina killed herself. So, you know, it's kind of, I guess that's what he's going to do. He doesn't want to go to jail as he kind of has that section coming up soon with um, with Wilbur. But we meet a couple. They're on their honeymoon. It's Kyle and Lani. Uh, and they tell this story about being stuck in a car and essentially, um, just being trapped in the snow and not having anywhere to go. And, uh, they were rescued and basically they had to feed, uh, her, Lani, some of his flesh because she was hypoglycemic or something and nearly was going to die. And that was the only way to keep her alive. Now it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's an interesting sort of setup for this. My biggest question is if a couple is caught in the snow for 10 days and survived, they're going to make the news. And ultimately, this is a fairly attractive couple. Attractive couple stuck in the snow for 10 days and they survive. This is a big bloody news story. So uh, I don't know how the news works in Los Angeles in uh, 2008, but I'm calling bullshit. Christian and Sean have heard of these two because these two would have been all over the news at this point. But uh, besides my slight little gripe there as a journalist... Um, I think it's kind of, it's an interesting way. Again, it's one of these sort of unique surgeries that we're going to sort of be talking about in this uh, episode. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're right back into the group of the weird surgeries. It, it seems like something that we kind of got away from in the first part of this episode, of the season, but now we're right back into them, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I think this is, I don't know, I find this quite a weird one because, you know, she's so upset about the fact that... And, and um you know that she's kind of eaten her husband's arm i guess but um to me it's like the, the story behind it, it it makes total sense i mean you might feel very strange about it but i don't know would you be in tears about all this kind of thing it's like you've done it to stay alive um it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me am i a weirdo for not thinking this is the biggest deal in the world um 
I can see both sides of it. I mean, it's going to be something that, yeah, absolutely, in a survival situation, you're going to do what it takes to survive. I'm 100% with you. But ultimately, I think as you come to and you kind of get back to a sense of normality, when you realise you've eaten human flesh, I don't necessarily think you're ultimately going to be like, hey, I just ate my husband's arm. Yeah, I had to survive. Like, I, I feel that <laughs> yeah. you'd be a bit weird about it. Yeah, a bit weird about it, yeah. This this kind of just this whole, like, she's in tears and kind of where the story goes, I suppose, from here on out. Like, it's a, it's a weird kind of story, I, and I'm not entirely sure I buy the motivations of these characters, um, but then, you know, I'm not sure that um, I'm really supposed to. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't think that I'm, I'm the right person to really, you know, I've not been in the situation, and I guess that's probably part of my issue is that it's so far removed from what most people would experience it. It is kind of, it's a hard one to kind of get behind, I suppose. Mm, mm. I want to just point out here for uh, Ryan Murphy fans as well that uh, they would recognise this uh, woman here, uh, the the sort of the, the cannibal at this point. Uh, Lily Rabe is the actress's name, but uh, she's very prominent on American Horror Story. She's been in, oh God, at least four of the seasons. I want to say five of the seasons. Um, and personally, my favourite was uh, when she was in uh, the Asylum one, when she was, uh, I think, a nun I from memory. Uh, but she's she's great in any of the American Horror Story seasons that she's been in. So, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of interesting to sort of see early days here of Ryan Murphy kind of ultimately getting and choosing his favourite actors and actresses that he likes to work with. Uh, but this was uh, her first taste of a uh, Ryan Murphy show and uh, one of her first actual sort of... Uh, main sort of kind of roles i'm seeing she started in 2001 but kind of played sort of younger characters and uh you know hadn't really been in a whole lot up until this point so uh there you go ryan murphy always liking to use these people uh i'm sure you love this uh scene here of the surgery nick (laughs) cannibal uh Um, bit on the nose for you Yeah, far far too on the nose for me here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be a, an ongoing bugbear that I'm going to have, and I think I just need to get over it. Really, it's, you know, like the the days of kind of subtle good songs is is probably behind us. Um, you know, I'm not saying the mu- the music's bad or anything like that, but I would just like to see something that's a bit more subtle. But I think I've probably made that point about six times now, and um, probably just need to uh to stop being such a little bitch about it. I eat cannibals part one by Total Koala is the name of uh, this song and band for those playing at home. So there you go. But uh, basically, they're fixing the arm, and uh, Sean tells Christian to go off, pick Wilbur uh, up from school, um, because, you know, obviously that's his mother. And, uh, you know, I love kind of Christian's line when she's talking about that she was nothing but a chronic hemorrhoid, you know, always appearing in pain in my ass. Uh, so goes to pick up uh, Wilbur from, I guess, is this school, is it daycare? It's one of these things. And, uh, we find out that, uh, little Wilbur's been biting people, apparently, um, that the principal tried to call him up that morning, and, uh, there's gonna be a ex- expulsion for poor little Wilbur here, and, uh, the teacher here is saying, well, you know, you've gotta tell Wilbur, um, you know, even though his mother's just died, you need to obviously tell her here. Now, before you mention here, just again, another sort of actor here that I want to point out, and this is not a Ryan Murphy show, but uh, the teacher here, Kathleen Rose Perkins, uh, if anyone watches the show Episodes, which I strongly recommend anybody watch it out there, it's a brilliant show, just ended uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, she plays Carol on Episodes, kind of one of the main characters, but uh, Episodes is a hilarious show. It's one I'd definitely love to cover one day here in the Oz Network. It's just a real fun show to watch, but... Uh, 
I like her. I like this actress, and I completely forgot that this is her in this scene. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the theme of biting. It's definitely going to stay on top here throughout this episode. Yes. 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 Uh, and it is, you know, we get this whole thing about, you know, that um, it's a um, kind of zero tolerance thing at the school, and he's going to have to be expelled. Um yeah, there's a lot of a lot of kids getting expelled in this season. You know, Annie's already been expelled, so now we're going to move on to Wilbur. So um, yeah, it's um, it's pretty crazy going on. Yeah, no, I, I like this teacher as well. Like, I can't quite put my finger on what I do like about her, but uh, you know, and again, like I think we talked about Colleen um, being you know a good casting choice, and and you know this this person just looks like you, you kind of that quintessential kind of kindergarten teacher or whatever that you, you kind of see on TV and just feels like a good fit for the role, I think. I think you just like women biting you. That's probably what you like about her. So, uh, you know, we just uh, <laughs> establish that, Nick. Just keep your secrets to yourself. She hasn't, been, yeah, she hasn't been capped yet. No, yep, true. Uh, so we get uh, Colleen here. She wants uh, Sean to deliver the line of tell me what you don't like about yourself and... Uh, Ultimately, she has hammer toes and wants them fixed. And, ugh, I hate feet. What a disgusting thing to see. Uh, I just... Just a word out there to people who have foot fetishes. Can somebody please explain to me why? Like, these are disgusting. They're feet, all right? They just look disgusting. I don't understand foot fetishes, but okay, that's just me. Um, so, she wants them fixed, ready for award season. Um, and she's got some shoes up on the table, basically, and uh, ready to uh, ready to go. Um... And what else do we have? Yeah, she's she's not asking for a freebie. She's going to pay for it and everything along those lines uh, and takes a creepy picture of him holding uh, her shoes. So there you go. Uh, and I'll just lump in the scene here too with uh, Christian and Wilbur, um, which I always forget the first part of this is kind of a dream sequence of like Christian imagining what he can say to Wilbur. And I kind of like it the way he's just so freaking honest with Wilbur. Um, that like, you know, oh, basically I killed her. I'm not going to the cops. Uh, so she's not coming back. And the way Wilbur's like, is mummy a skank? And he's just like, yes, sweetie, she was. Um, but then ultimately it's a dream and kind of we see this sort of scene and, you know, Wilbur's sort of like, is, where's mummy? He's going to get me ice cream. Uh, and, uh, basically Christian lies and said she's taken a long trip. I just want to like, I've always spoken out about little shit kids and being annoying and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, how old is Josea Isaiah, uh, Josea Henry here? You know, three, four. And he doesn't deliver these lines terribly. It's kind of believable the way he kind of does it. It's kind of cute, but not in an annoying way. I kind of appreciate the way he kind of acts in this scene. Um, and the way sort of, uh, Julian McMahon bounces off him. So. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting scene, kind of the first bit, but, um, you know, I wonder how, uh, Josea Henry's parents were when he had to deliver the line, is mummy a skank? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah, I don't, don't really have much to add on the, um, the Colleen scene, I think that that's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but, um, yeah, I do like this whole thing with Christian, and, you know, like, we always talk about every actor who, or actress who plays up against him is, is better when they're in scenes with him, and, and even Wilbur, you know, like, Wilbur can, can deliver these lines um even as a kid you know he's delivering these lines in a really compelling and believable way so you know julian mcmahon he just he brings it out of everybody he's just so good um yeah and i do love that i think it's it's well done this this whole kind of dream sequence i think it, it's um i you know i knew it was a dream sequence straight away it was one of those things that just it felt like you know i can't imagine the show would be kind of saying this to a kid i mean even for nip tuck it kind of felt like i, I knew that that was coming um but I, and, I, and i do like the kind of the real conversation he has with wilbur and 
you know the kind of the tear kind of rolling down his, his cheek and yeah. you know i think it's it's all it's 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 um it's quite subtle and it, you know it's it's not played with a heavy hand which it could be i think um yeah and you know Julian McMahon just just um getting the job done as he always does yes i agree uh we kind of get now uh into our colleen surgery scene here just uh we see colleen ultimately gas bagging to Liz and uh, Liz sort of talking about, uh, you know, are you really going to the Oscars? Colleen's talking about going to the award season and kind of Sean's a bit confused and uh, Sean ultimately says, it's hammer time. I ultimately swear we're going to hear, you can't touch this. But like, I know you, you might complain about the scene. I don't know, but I just, I actually really like the music in this way. We kind of get these boots are made for walking by Nancy Sinatra. And I just kind of love the way, you know, cause it's ultimately, you know, the famous introduction to the song, you know, the ding, 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 and then kind of how they're doing it. And the way we ultimately get introduced here to our CAA agents, uh, the way they kind of walk in in their suits and, you know, I've got Nicole on the line, put her on hold and, you know, things like that. I actually really enjoy this sequence. Although typical nip tuck, they walk in, no security, uh, you're in a sterile environment, um, you know, and again, can they pick a worse time to kind of talk to Sean about uh, ultimately trying to, you know, poach him to be their colleague? So, um, yeah, I actually, I like the music, but it's kind of just interesting how they will go about here just trying to get him uh, on their side. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know, I think I should be clear that sometimes this kind of on-the-nose music choice is good, and I think this is one of them. I think this is, because it's a little bit more kind of um, comedic, That it, it does kind of really work well here. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy with it. I think just just a point that the um, the surgery scene is particularly gross if you're not a fit oh, person, but, yeah. you know, kind of seeing the, these kind of toes being kind of like nailed and oh. screwed and... Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty horrible stuff to watch, and yeah, I do like these kind of agents. They walk down like they actually do look like you know um, Matrix agents, <laughs> don't they? It's you know, Agent Smith kind of walking down the hallway. Um, yeah, it's it's just weird. Like this is why would these guys even think about walking in in the middle of surgery? It just it doesn't seem like this is a professional thing to do at all. It's a very very strange choice that they've kind of had these guys walk in the middle of surgery. I mean, why would they not make an appointment to come and see him? Why would they, you know, I know they're trying to poach him, but I just I can't imagine that you would just even if they've been really forceful that they would actually just walk into the middle of a surgery that seems like something that could get them in quite a bit of trouble. And I, I do love how it's uh Linda who just happens to know that they are the uh the best uh agents in town. Uh, the way she's kind of like, they're the biggest one in town. Uh, so it's kind of funny, but CAA are a real agency, just to confirm. This isn't a made up one. Uh, I've kind of had dealings. Well, okay, I wouldn't say I've had dealings with them. I've contacted people in CAA to try and get interviews before. Clearly they represent me. Um, ultimately, you know, as everyone would know, <laughs> yeah. they're my agents. Yeah, I have um, to call. I- yeah, yeah, I have to call them before we come online for a podcast Same. because you know I have to clear your agents that you know you're 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 ready and you're yep. and you're prepared. Absolutely the same here, but um, I do like how kind of when Sean ultimately goes in there and it's like I've got Tom on the line and Sean's like Cruz and he's like Oh Hanks, which um, is kind of funny the way they do it. Uh, and yeah, so uh, this uh, our main sort of agent here. Bob Levitz, he wants to be in the Sean McNamara business. 
uh, and he kind of, you know, talks about how they're also involved in a lot of uh, charitable work and they're going off to help with the Katrina build-up, Hurricane Katrina, and I love how he's kind of like, have you helped yet with Katrina, Sean? Um, just the way he's kind of, like, talking it. I like Bob. It's kind of sad that we get just, like, one episode with him, but I, at the same time, I think kind of we only need one episode of him because it kind of ultimately will work what's going to happen to him. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like all the way this kind of plays out. I just think it's kind of fun stuff. Yeah, me too. I think it's um, he is a good character, and he again just somebody that really looks apart. You know, this kind of slick. You know, everything's kind of um, highly kind of processed. Uh, you know, like nothing feels natural about him. It all feels like it's you know all all a big front that he's putting on, and yeah, it kind of feels like exactly what you know. If you don't know much about agents, it's exactly what you expect a you know a talent agent to be like. I think. Yeah, exactly. We kind of get this scene now of, uh, I guess, a mortician trying to put Gina back together again and uh, ultimately Christian comes in and sort of sees her and uh, her whole head is kind of mushed because she's landed on her head and, um, you know, sad ultimately is going to be a closed casket, which I assume most funerals are. I don't know if they were planning on this being an open casket, but I think it's a nice little bit where Christian gets uh, a scene here, um, like a minute with Gina. Um, it's just... It's just subtle. It's just... You know, I'm not going to put this up for a top five moment. This is kind of like, um, I think you were talking about this with the, the scene with Sean and Matt a few episodes ago. Which it's it's subtle and memorable, but it's not maybe one that you need to scream from the rooftops as the top five. I think it's perfect, kind of as a closing scene for these two. Um, it's just you know that the line when he says like all the times I wanted to kill you, this wasn't one of them. Um, you know, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but I just think it's kind of it's a nice little closing scene to kind of have with Gina after kind of the the craziness that we had in the last episode. Yeah, and I think um, we probably shouldn't skip over that. This is quite brutal, you know, like a lot oh, yeah. of kind of close up shots we get. You know, we don't get a we don't get a you know kind of direct look at her face and how mashed up she is from falling off a building, but you know we get lots of kind of um, partial shots of you know this kind of the, her blood being drained out and you know this. Um, mortician trying to like basically slap putty onto her face and clean her up and you know like it is really really kind of brutal um which i i really like i think that that's really good um one of the things that i did mean to talk about in the last episode and i i kind of didn't because i thought it might come up here but it doesn't is that you know would it not have been obvious that she didn't just jump that you know that the the kind of banister was broken and um, you know, basically, I think that they would have they would have known from an examination that she had just been having sex, and you know, like to me, I think that that's it's completely dropped that there is circumstantial evidence that you know she wasn't alone when it happened. Um, I think it's really interesting, and you know, not to mention all the kind of you know the flowers and all this the setup upstairs. Um, you know, unless we're, we're thinking Christian cleared that all away, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting that that never kind of comes up at all. I don't know if that bothers you, but it does kind of bother me a little bit. Um, in terms of the scene, yeah, I think it is a nice scene. I think um, Christian does this kind of talking to, to dead people at their funerals or, you know, this kind of thing. Well, you know, we saw it with Mrs. Grubman last time. Um, yeah, it's. Um, it, I think it's quite quite touching. Um, again, well done. It's, it's not over the top. And um, I think they get these moments right for the most part. Yeah, I mean... Got to lay the joke down first of all. Uh, this is Nip Tuck and the police department we're dealing with, so that probably makes sense. <laughs> yes, Jokes yes. aside, though, yeah, I mean, you're right, you're absolutely right, and it's, I mean, everything about it, you they would investigate, um, and you would also maybe sort of, I mean, they know these things, the angle they land on, kind of, you know, like 
if you actually, I, it's weird that I always kind of look at that scene when she's falling that her dress kind of doesn't flow up because ultimately she would have been wearing any underwear, would she, in the middle of sex? So, and plus there would have been debris from that balcony that would have fallen down with her. So they would have seen like glass and stuff. So like, what's their conclusion that she ran and jumped through the, the, you know, like the, the glass bit. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think kind of, you know, I guess we're not meant to dwell on it too much. Um, one thing I will say that are kind of just thinking more about it is that it would have been nice to kind of get some form of, I guess, flash scene with Gina, maybe, you know, around this time, not necessarily in the future, because, you know, I think a lot of people would have gotten about her. I think kind of like, because, you know, we've seen him having these visions of like Kimber talking to him and stuff like that. I realize Gina's not important, as important to him as Kimber, but I still kind of think outside of Kimber, that's been the longest term one that he's had. Even though these two really, until right at the end, hadn't really had sex really, what, since season two. So, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to maybe have some kind of, you know, visionary scene with Gina. I don't know if you kind of think that we could have had one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think more often than not, they go wrong on the show. So it's not something that I particularly miss, but I, I can see we, we could, you could slot something in at this moment and it would be kind of the fitting moment to have that. Um, I almost think maybe you could have even done like a little bit of a flashback of them, um, earlier on and you know some of that I don't know if you'd want to do that, like a montage but you know like some of those kind of happier moments that she's had and, and you know because if he's kind of reminiscing that you know she wasn't all bad that might have been quite a nice touch I don't know um, it wasn't something I particularly missed I, I must say yeah interesting yeah like a sort of a montage thing yeah I could see that um, so we kind of just get a middle scene here I, I almost gelled over this because I <laughs> forgot that it was there but sort of um, we've got Kyle is going into some sort of septic shock and, uh, basically, uh, Lanny, he's, uh, freaking out. If anything happens to him, I'll kill myself and you better fix this. Like, it's kind of just, it's very kind of over the top really with it. Uh, and that kind of leads, uh, to Sean seeing Colleen who reckons she can have a career as a foot model. And we kind of get our first, you know, you mentioned it last episode about her having the business card carry being bears, but we kind of get her presenting a Sean bear. Now, just want to say, and maybe this speaks more for me than what I'm meant to believe, is it really that creepy that she's made a bear of him? Like, I think that's kind of cute. Like, I love how it's played off as being super creepy. And maybe Eden next episode kind of sells it more on the creep factor. And ultimately, we're going to get with the agent bear. It's a bit creepy. But I don't know. Like, I feel like at this point, it's kind of sweet. Like, I made you a bear. Like, thank you. This is my hobby. Like, if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Is it creepy or am I just weird? Um, I think it's, for me, I didn't find it creepy, but I, I found it inappropriate. You know, I think we're constantly getting these reminders that she doesn't know how to stay on one side of the, the professionalism barrier. She's constantly stepping over it. And to me, that was kind of what I got more out of the scene than it being creepy. Um, I think, um, for me, this is just kind of set up for what happens at the end of the episode, um, more than anything else. So, um, was it creepy? No. Was it inappropriate? Yes. That would, that would be where I kind of draw the line on it. Ultimately, this leads to, uh, uh, Bob kind of coming in and chatting to Sean and he's off to get a pretty quick flight from LA to New Orleans. Uh, I mean, look, this is what, what time of the day is this? Lunchtime? Uh, I'm just going to quickly Google right here, LA to New Orleans flight time. Um, and, uh, you know, they're in like Rodeo Drive area. 
Um, it's a three hour, 45 minute flight. Okay then. So they're in Rodeo Drive to get to LAX. That's going to be over like 90 minutes to get there, even if it's a private jet. So, you know, hypothetically, you know, New Orleans is also further ahead in time than Los Angeles, you know, at least by about two, three hours. So they're not getting into New Orleans. So maybe, you know, six, seven o'clock at night, they're going to be building a house at night time. Do you think, Nick? I don't get this. Uh, just again, <laughs> Nick tucks leeway with the time space continuum. Not exactly uh, the most believable thing in the world. Uh, but ultimately, it's kind of a, it's a tense first real one here of Colleen really going off at Sean, you know, yelling at Sean, you know, go and throws the bear and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, again, these cracks are just continuing to form here with Colleen and I kind of think, you know, this is the last, is this the last, well, it's not really normal, is it? But I mean, from what we're going to get after this, it's normal. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting that we're seeing these small little cracks really form with Colleen before ultimately what we're about to see next with her. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I mean, I, like I said in the last episode, and I'll continue to say it, I think they kind of do a good job of just gradually building up how crazy she is. You know, like it would have been really, really easy to just drop her in. And then, you know, second scene that we have with her, she's a nutcase. But I think we've had just enough that you kind of actually feel a little bit sorry for her. Um, you know, that she's kind of putting on this big front, but she's actually, you know, living in this kind of modest apartment or whatever it might be in a bad part of town. And, you, you know, like, I, I think that there's, they've done a good job here in terms of making this character, um, you know, sympathetic, which is, which yeah. is really good. I, I enjoy that. It makes her a more complex character. So, um, you know, I think that for all the talk of me saying that, you know, a lot of the stuff feels a bit soap opera-y, I think they have done a good job, and this is something you wouldn't get on a soap opera. They would immediately turn her into this kind of crazy villain. Um, so, you know, this this is a step up from what you would see on, on you know, some more bargain basement shows. They've taken the time to, to really flesh this character out, and it, even though it's only the second episode, you already feel those things, which I think is a testament to the writing, but also the acting here. So um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I, I think it all works really well. Yeah, and props to Sharon Glass. I think she's just, she's brilliant. Um, I just have nothing bad to say about her at all um, in any of these scenes. So, um yeah, I just, I just kind of really want to see her in more things. <laughs> like, I mean, I, we talked about this last week that she's been in a lot of things. But, um, you know, I actually want to find out here, and if I can quickly get this up before we move, because I think we obviously want to talk a lot about this uh, funeral scene. Um, who she lost the Emmy to, uh, she was up against uh, Angelica Houston, who was on Medium, Diana Carroll, who was on Grey's Anatomy, uh, Eline Burstein, who was on Big Love, and the winner that year was uh, Cynthia Nixon, Sex and the City uh, former actor, who was on Law and Order SVU. So, um, there you go. Uh, can't say I saw any of those other shows or uh, what they were like, but uh, I'm just going to say it. Sharon Glass robbed. Well, I think we were probably right in the kind of, you know, if I think about kind of 2008 time period, I think that was kind of when your CSIs and SVUs and NCISs, they were all, did. that was a real big craze at the time, you know, and so that doesn't surprise me that, you know, that was the kind of age of those kind of forensic crime shows so it doesn't surprise me that that's the type of show that that's winning awards around about this time and for those playing at home we mentioned oliver pratt platt sorry uh he was up against uh charles durning for rescue me robert morse for mad men uh stanley tucci for er robin williams uh who was in law and order svu but the winner actually was glenn Terman, who was in In Treatment, who I could not tell you who the hell that was, and never watched In Treatment before in my life. Uh, so yeah, no, Robin Williams didn't even win. So there you go. 
Interesting. I think I vaguely remember Robin Williams in Laurel on SVU. I, I never watched it, but I remember the promotions around it. So, uh, interesting. Uh, funeral scene, though. Um, this is fun. I, I kind of like the fact that uh, so many people turned out because it's kind of... We had the Mrs. Grubman funeral scene where really no one turned out at all. But uh, here we go. We have this massive turnout for Gina. And, of course, they're all basically there because they've all had sex with her. Uh, and we find out just how amazing in bed Gina was. She had a vibrating tongue. Uh, one guy's hard right now. Another guy's going to be whacking off for the rest of the life. Uh, but I think it's kind of it's a touching bit, though, kind of how it closes off with this guy who ultimately gave her AIDS. And um, just a nice little story, I think, kind of what he says about, you know, she forgave me, helped me get treatment, and just kind of the looks Christian's giving. Because ultimately, we know that when Gina got sick, Christian ultimately was there. And we talked very highly about those scenes, you know, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and just, you know, the powerful stuff there where he's saying, like, you know, our addiction can ruin our lives, but this time around it actually saved me. So, yeah, I mean... I don't think this will make our top five, all of this stuff. I think kind of we're going to have too many of these, uh, you know, scenes in this season to do it. But if we're doing a top ten, this could be on the outs. Because I, I think this is just a memorable scene and it's kind of, it's, it's funny, it's it's deep, it's meaningful. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's it's got a whole lot around this scene which makes it memorable. Yeah, I think it's that whole thing of, you know, it starts with comedy. And um, I do like kind of Christian and Liz's reaction as well, you know, that they kind of, they're, they're laughing as this whole thing happens. But then it, you know, it, it, it very cleverly transitions into being quite a serious moment. And, you know, you kind of get the, the close ups on Christian as he's listening to the speech. And yeah, it, it, it's um, a, a deft touch here, I think, which is, which is really nice. Um, it, it's well played. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, I I, I don't think I can add too much more to what you've said. I, you know, I think if if, if we we didn't want to overload it with Gina moments, I think um, I'm always going to go for the scene like this as opposed to the actual death scene. But you know, I think for reasons we talked about in the last episode, we kind of have to have the Gina death scene there. I, I think so. It's going to be hard to justify having this one in here, but for me, this is the kind of one that I enjoy more, and I think Nip Tuck does better with stuff like this. Meanwhile, Christian's back at school. The teacher is saying that Wilbur's been biting again. She just basically wants to fuck Christian. They have sex. She's essentially just a teacher in the sack. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, she basically bites him. And then she ultimately kind of gives herself away. And we find out that it's her that's been biting the children. It's like, I mean... It's a twist, but, like, can this be believed? Are these kids really going to be quiet? And, like, I mean, my teacher's biting me. And how does she do it? Like, are they sleeping? And does she just crawl up to them and go, oh, little kitty. Like, I don't understand how she gets away with this. Um, but I kind of like Christian when he goes off at her. And what does he, what does he say? Like, you know, I hope you know how to operate a griddle. You're going nowhere near kids anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I'm not a big fan of kind of this twist to be complete. It's just kind of random. It's just kind of in this, like I get we've kind of got this biting theme, but do we really need this? I feel this could be in another episode. I just feel like this is just kind of just tacked on and I have nothing against the teacher. As I said, I'm a fan of um, Kathleen Rose Perkins, but uh, I don't know. I just feel that on an episode that's kind of got a lot of stuff, this just really takes me away from this episode. I'm not a fan of how this plays out. Um, I guess for me is the one thing we kind of haven't talked about is that, um, you know, this teacher character has been used to kind of talk to Christian about why he's um, avoiding telling Wilbur about Gina, which I've got problems with on a couple of levels. Um, mostly is that, you know, we've established that Gina hasn't really wanted to have anything to do with Wilbur. And even if she has had something to do with him while she's been back on the scene, she's only been around for like two episodes. So I, I, I don't really buy that. Um, 
yeah, and I, I think kind of this whole discussion about should you tell Wilbur, I, I'm not sure that the, this random teacher is the best one to be delivering that information. So, um, yeah, I guess that's an important thing, but we don't see a whole lot of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a bit random. You're right. It is just, it's kind of strange and thrown out there. And um, would it even be better in a different episode or is it, would it just be better to not have this at all? Really? I, <laughs> like, think, is, I mean, no, no pun really intended. Not? I feel you could flesh this out more. Um, I mean, it's, it's just, I, like, I always remember this as a storyline in Nip Tuck. I just kind of forget what episode it's in, and this just feels like it should be, you know, I just feel there's stuff going on in this episode that just, I see what they're doing with the whole biting thing, but again, at the same time, like, <sighs> like, this, is this teacher really that dumb that she's biting kids and getting away with it, and then in the middle of having sex, she's gonna bite him again, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they could have done this a little bit more where kind of they sleep with each other a few times before she ultimately gives it away and you could have kind of just had this on an episode where ultimately just just have, like, a storyline of Wilbur biting people. It's got nothing to do with the death of Gina because even then, like, does Wilbur really miss Gina that much? Because ultimately a season ago, um, you know, Gina basically didn't want anything to do with him and it's kind of that's what he's used to anyway, isn't it? I mean, he spent his entire life as a baby seeing Gina. He's not going to remember that. You know, she kidnapped him, and then, yeah, okay, we kind of see this coming back into the life of uh, daycare, and, you know, ultimately she's getting some more time with him. But, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like you just have this separately, not around the death of Gina, you know what I mean? It is interesting, and, I mean, it's, it, it is one of those things you could only get away with on Nip Tuck is, you know, some girl who has a biting fetish. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, again, I think we talked on the last episode about this being a, a, a true Nip Tuck moment. Well, this is another, nip, you know, truly Nip Tuck moment that you could only you really imagine on a show like this. And another thing that I'm not really a fan of, I'll go into this scene, is kind of like, I like how they start off this storyline with sort of Kyle and Lanny, but it just, to me, this is, again, similar to what we talked about a few weeks ago in the Christmas one. It really doesn't make sense to me that all of a sudden the reason why this guy is sick is because she feels guilty that she ate his flesh, so in order to make it better, she feeds him her flesh, which makes him sick, and therefore she could get into trouble. Like, I just don't get it. It's like, what? Like, yeah. I know they've got to have a twist. Yeah. I understand that. I think the twist in itself is, like, like they could have done this differently. So the opening scene where we find out, you know, she's ashamed that she ate his skin, keep that the secret. Like, keep the secret that, you know, oh, yep, you know, I, I cut my flesh on the dash. Okay, fair enough. And then in the middle of surgery, be like, hey, this doesn't look like a dash cut. This looks like something. And then it's revealed later that she ate his flesh. To me, that's the twist. Um, this just feels tacked on and dumb. And, like, when you get to my rating at the end of this episode, this this and the, the, basically these two scenes and these two storylines drop this episode down for me because I just feel they're just tacked on and dumb and they're just done, again, similar to what you said, I think. Good ideas, we just don't, you know, they don't execute them laugh. They don't stick the landing with them, I feel, and they're just wasted. Yeah, I think it's clunky is the thing. You know, it just, uh, uh, the ideas behind it are, are fine, but it's just not delivered particularly well. Um, you get a lot of information told um, quickly, and I think some of the acting is not, I don't want to really, it's not a problem with the acting, but the lines are delivered really fast, and so it's almost like you have to go back and like, hold on, what was said there? I just need to rewind and hear that again, because... I didn't catch it the first time round, which is great if you're watching this on DVD, you know, 10 years later. But in the moment, um, that's a very hard thing to do. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a hard one to get on board with, I suppose. And 
um, for something that has a bit of potential, it does just kind of peter out into something that's, that's, to me, just not particularly interesting. Speaking of potential and interesting, um, here we go. Uh, I'm going to say this right now, that when you ultimately think of six seasons of Nip Tuck and you talk about ultimate memorable scenes of this show, this is one. <laughs> um, you know, I think we talked a lot about this, like, going back when we sort of talked about the Abby Mays episode with the paper bag episode, um, you know, just, just scenes that you just remember. And I remember watching this for the first time, having no clue what happens and just being freaked out. It's freaky. I've used our sort of screen cap for this episode as kind of the result of what's going to happen here. But we've talked about Colleen, a few cracks going along here. Never in a million years that I feel that we're ultimately going to lead up to this. Uh, so Colleen has invited over Bob to what he believes is her office. It turns out to be her house. It's filled with teddy bears. Uh, she keeps offering him cheese bits and things like that. And he's very creeped out and wondering what the hell, kind of making a few subtle digs at her for living in Koreatown and all this sort of stuff. It sort of starts off, you know, like it's going to be a nice negotiable meeting here, sort of working out between clients and everything. Uh, and then essentially this is where maybe the bear making gets a bit creepy because she hands him an agent bear with vampire fangs. Um, so, you know, it's a bit creepy. Then he ultimately asks, who else do you represent? She kind of puts a few names, says Dakota Fanning, Nicole Kidman, and then sort of Bob calls her out. Well, we're on team Nicole. So she, he kind of gets up, goes to leave. And I'm assuming the cheese bits ultimately had poison in them or something like that. That's probably why she keeps inviting him, but he doesn't take them. So she knocks him out. Uh, and you know, you think, okay, that's it. Fair enough. Don't only have him wake up to have Colleen standing over him. He's gaffer taped to a chair, and she ultimately is just losing it, brings in a giant stuffing machine. Can I also point out the incredibly creepy teddy bear music that's playing in the background, which just adds to the creep factor of this scene. And uh, she basically says, "I'm you're not taking away my star. She shoves the stuffing machine down his throat. I really hope people are listening to this without watching this episode and going, what the fuck is this show? Um, she shoves a stuffing machine down his throat to which he swallows, chokes, and dies on teddy bear stuffing to which she just has this... I, I really love the way Sharon Glass acts this scene, the way she just kind of freakily stares on, closes his eyes, pins bear eyes to his eyes, and it just, the music stops. It's just this creepy, silent scene. She kind of puts a hand to her mouth, and we've got this just shot of the agent bear with a little uh, Bluetooth headset put to her ear, his ear. I'm saying this now. This might be the most memorable scene of this season. I might even say right now, this could be our number one moment. I don't know if I'm speaking well out of turn here for this, but holy crap, this sticks with you, because this is creepy as fuck. This scene is just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you, I, I can't really argue with anything you're saying there. I guess probably the one thing I would say if I'm going to come down on the side that this um, isn't the greatest thing in the world um, is that, um, you know, I've talked a lot in the last couple of episodes about this is a very nip-tuck thing. This is yeah. you know, definitely something you'd see on nip-tuck. And this is not. This is n this is nowhere near something that you would see on nip-tuck. It's really? the most bizarre thing. That I kind of think it is. Nowhere. I think it's very nip-tuck. That's my viewpoint on this scene. Oh, no, I don't. I, I, You know, I just don't think that we're really into killing people on the show. It's not really that kind of a show. Um, you know, I know it's, it's, it obviously has happened from time to time, but generally we're not just, you know, it's not killing people like this. It just it, it just feels out of place to me. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't like it. I, I do find it to be quite a fun 
kind of um, moment. Um, it's, as you say, I think it's definitely memorable. Um, it's creepy as all hell. Um, you know, is it my favourite? I'm not sure it's my favourite scene that I've seen so far on this, this season, and, I, and we've still got some to go. Um, but, you know, I think it's definitely going to be one we are discussing in that top five because it is just so... Um, yeah, it is creepy as all hell, and you know nothing sells you on that this character is deranged and you know out of her mind than this kind of thing. You know yeah. that she is just she's prepared to kill for something as as simple as you know like a client. You know that doesn't you know it's not like this is an amazing client or anything like that. Like she's just you know, she's not in the right frame of mind. She's obsessed, and it, it does sell the the kind of desperation and the you know, the the kind of um, lack of stability that this woman has, it, it does really sell you that moment really well. So, um, I mean, just to be really clear, is that my gripes are pretty minor. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not taking it away from me. I think it's a great scene. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just little things that I think about it rather than anything particularly big that I hate about it. It's Yeah, it's fine. There will definitely be one more Colleen scene, which will probably make the top five. Um, although there's kind of... It's going to be weird when it comes down to that because... There's kind of two versions of the one scene because it kind of relates to the end of the part one of this season and then the second part of kind of the new episode, which is, I guess you would argue, the premiere episode of part two. And I will argue that the second part of this scene that I'm sort of alluding to will be more powerful just because the way there's a song around it and everything along those lines. We're still a few weeks away from that yet. But um, the one thing that I, I think kind of with all of this, the way it plays out, that kind of with this character and, you know, these cracks, these cracks, it's just that... This is like just comes out of nowhere. We've met her a week ago and in no way do we think she's willing to do this. Yeah. It's like, holy fuck, like, wow, this character is fucked up. And you think about kind of all the build-ups to everything that we've had with some of these, you know, antagonists. You know, you think of, uh, you know, Escobar kind of, you know, begins and then comes back at the end, you know, and even kind of the way that's portrayed in the very first episode with Silvio Perez and kind of, you know, we think they're sort of the bad guys and ultimately it's Escobar pulling the strings. You know, Ava, the build-up to everything that happened with her, the carver, you know, James last season, you know, there's always a build-up. Even Eden sort of slightly in the beginning of this, there's still sort of like a build-up. This is kind of like an episode and a half into Colleen and boom, she's a murderous, psychotic bitch who's willing to, you know, stuff people to death and pin eyes on them, you know. It's kind of like, holy crap. So I kind of think it's a bit different for Nip Tuck to do this. And, you know, ultimately it's going to be, it's a season five thing that you've got such long episodes. You know, we talk about antagonists this season. You know, it's it's Eden, it's, it's Colleen, it's Teddy. Uh, and Teddy really probably isn't really more of an antagonist until ultimately we find out what happens with her at the beginning of season six. So even then it's sort of hard to label her as a season five antagonist. Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's this scene just leaves with me. <laughs> like I always well, I remember this those, scene. Yeah. And one of those things too, is I think when, when you, you, you know, you're doing that quick comparison is that you kind of, you know, you just have to take one look at, um, at Escobar to know that he's going to be a villain, you know, yeah. like it, it's, it, it's very obvious and how he's, how he's done up that, you know, this guy's a bad guy. And I think even like the likes of Ava, you know, she's going to be troubled just by the look, the look of her, I think. Um, whereas Colleen is not somebody you expect to be doing this, you know, as you say, second episode into knowing her, it just, it does kind of come out of nowhere. And, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not complaining about that. I think that that's, um, 
you know, we kind of cut into the chase and, and that's, that's, that's kind of fun. We know what we're dealing with. Um, so yeah, it's for me, I, I do really enjoy that. We, we're not, we're not messing around here, guys. We're getting straight into what a crazy bitch this, this woman is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we kind of get this scene now where Christian essentially is, uh, getting the, uh, the teacher arrested, but, uh, we find out that she got her teeth capped, um, and that, uh, she's going to get away with it, which I question this, like, would this not be investigated? Like, oh, your teeth look new. When did you get them done? Oh, in the last 24 hours. That's suspicious. How shit are the cops <laughs> yeah. in this freaking nip-tuck universe? <laughs> yes, and I think, and, and yeah, the other thing too is not only that, but she actually says it to Christian as she walks past. She's yeah. like, I had my teeth capped, you idiot. And it's like, well, you just gave me that information, you idiot, so I'm not going to tell the cops that, you know? Just say it out loud. Like, and don't kind of have a shocked look in your face, like, fuck, the bitch is going to get away with it. But straight away be like, what was that? You said you got your teeth capped? Oh, there you go, officer. Uh, like, it's just... I mean, you and I are not trained in law enforcement at all, but I think we just solved the crime then and there. Um, so, oh, the gerbil hunting days are still living uh, heavily here on our uh, nip-tuck from one coast of America to the other. Um, so, yeah, we ultimately have this, uh, is, we have a bit of a surgery scene here, don't we? Yeah, just a brief sort of explanation about the infections that, uh, Kyle's had. There's nothing really too much there. Uh, and then we kind of get this scene between Sean and Colleen, um, where we sort of find out that, uh, Bob sent out a mass email, uh, saying that he's gone to Darfur to do some, uh, work. And, uh, Colleen ultimately kind of apologizes and, uh, you know, Sean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a weirdly sweet scene considering we know what's ultimately just happened with freaking Colleen. So, um, yeah. And Sean kind of talking about being bitten by the Hollywood bug and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And essentially they both agree to start over and kind of move forward from there. So again, this is just the complexity of this Colleen character. And again, just, how much I'm appreciating so much on this watch and just the way that we've just seen her, you know, maybe the most brutally weird death in all of Nip Tark to ultimately just, you know, hey, cool, let's start again. <laughs> you know, it's it's weird, but it's effective at the same time. Yeah, and I, and I think it's um, it just kind of shows her manipulative powers, which is, is really good because I think that, um, you know, we've seen other characters be able to show that as well and... Um, you know that she's up with the best of them that we've seen on the show so I, you know i really appreciate that i think it, it's good um yeah yeah and the closing scene is essentially christian and wilbur basically telling wilbur that uh, mummy's never coming back and we get the dog lipo which if i'm not mistaken we never <laughs> see again uh, so, uh, <laughs> right. I, I mean i could be wrong but I'm 95% certain we never see Lipo after this point again. So, clearly, uh, he's off living with Annie and Connor somewhere in a nice little closet. Yeah, or they just took him back to the to the pound the next day. They were like, hey, shit, this was a bad idea. And maybe Wilbur bit him. Maybe yeah, Julia so. flushed him down the toilet. Yes. <laughs> Miami PD have been flown out like, we hear there's another animal murder. I don't know if you've got anything more to add on this last scene. There's not really a whole lot, really. Oh, I think it's just a nice close-off of, you know, this is obviously something that Christian has been um, grappling with throughout this whole episode about how to break this news to Wilbur and, you know, that it's important that he knows even if you don't think he understands. And, you know, so eventually we kind of get Christian breaking that information. And, yeah, I think that that's, it, it's a good scene. It, it's the scene you needed, it would have been disappointing not to have this scene. So, yeah, it's. It, I think it, it works really well, and it's, yeah, it, it does a job. 
closing us out now with a renting, buying it or binning it. What are we doing with this episode, Nicholas? Yeah, well, I think you've probably given away my thoughts on it as well, that um, there's some really good stuff here kind of let down by um, some rubbish and it just feels a bit padded out, this episode. Um, that The good stuff is, is really, really good. And like you say, there's a couple of very, very memorable scenes that unfortunately are surrounded by stuff that isn't particularly interesting. Um, so for me, it's an easy one to put in the rent category. Um, it's it's not terrible and you know the stuff that is really good is really good. But the rest of it is pretty easy to forget, and you know you almost want to forget it because it isn't it isn't good. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm renting it too. Um, you know, just the stuff is just so bloody good in it with like the Colleen stuff and the funeral stuff, but um, just the just random biting stories and cannibal stuff. It just kind of weighs it down slightly. So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a rent for me. I've got this at 49th out of uh 71 episode or 70 episodes. I think I've lumped in the one after this into this as well. So yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of just past the middle part for me. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a rentable one. Uh, but next week, uh, we have another interesting one. Always an interesting episode, of course, on, uh, Nip Tuck, Lulu Grand Iron. Uh, we have some, um, older women who want surgery with Christian. Uh, Eden's back in the fray. Kimber's back in the fray. There's some porn. And, uh, Colleen might get caught out in some aspects. Yeah, it's like, um, the, the bitch powers combined with Kimber and, and Eden, you know, starting to come together. So, that, you know, that's always, uh, gonna be fun. And, um, yeah, I mean, um, anytime you're gonna have porn on the show, um, it's gonna be good, I suppose. Well, most of the time, anyway. Well, just if you're a fan of, uh, both, uh, Annalie McCord and, uh, Kelly Carlson, and you've always wanted to see them make out on a bed in lingerie, this is the episode for you. So, um, I know I appreciate some Coming scenes up. in this episode. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, you can appreciate us by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, subscribe. Uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, wherever you go, you can find us on there and uh, leave us some feedback. We definitely would appreciate hearing what you're thinking of these episodes, any of our other episodes, or just my voice, Nick's voice, anyone's voice really on the show. Uh, we'll be back next week, though. As I said, my name is Ben, and this Pope isn't going anywhere. And uh, I'm Nick, and uh, oh, what a good big boy you are. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.